Hey again, it's uh, Marcus here with the My Obsession podcast. Uh, season two is still in the works. I hope to get it done in the next six weeks or so, so stay tuned there. In the meantime, though, Kira Drescher Dennis and I recorded another Stout Faith special episode as a promotion for our next community Stout Faith event. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to our last episode, Stout Faith is an event that we put on together through our church that provides space for a speaker to come in and the speaker speaks to our church community and we talk in small groups about that topic that the speaker presents on over snacks and homebrewed beer. Uh, the beer is actually from Backbeat Brewing Company, uh, brewed by Pete Harkins, who is actually episode one in the My Obsession podcast, season one. So cool connection there. But Stout Faith is a great time. It's a great space to engage one another in a safe, non-threatening environment, which is not something that we experience very often in today's world. So our guest for this podcast interview is Emily Ritchie-Smith, and she is going to be our next Stout Faith speaker to lead us in a discussion on the Me Too movement, or the hashtag Me Too movement. I'll let Emily introduce herself, but I really cannot speak highly enough of this interview. It was thoughtful, fun, engaging, super relevant, um, and ultimately, I cannot thank Kira and Emily enough for welcoming me, welcoming me as a male, as a straight white male, into the, into the conversation. I'm still very humbled that I was even able to sit there and feel safe to ask questions uh, representing my demographic. So our next Stout Faith event will be on Sunday, April 15th. That's in Salem, Massachusetts. That will be at the Salem, Salem Espacio which is a great, great, great community program space sponsored by the North Shore CDC. Uh, our Stout Faith event will start at 6 p.m. on April 15th, so if you're in the area, we'd love for you to join us. But let's not waste any more time. Let's shoot over to the episode. Uh, just a preliminary note here. Again, this interview is going to be on the hashtag MeToo movement. For those who don't know, the MeToo movement is a hashtag that has been used on social media to help demonstrate the widespread prevalence of sexual assault and harassment, um, especially in the workplace. And because of the nature of the topic, I'm giving this episode a big, fat, red content warning, as the episode will contain discussion of sexual violence and sexual harassment. So if that matters to you, feel free to skip this episode. No harm, no foul, no big deal. Uh, or put it on pause until your listening environment is a little bit more safe and secure. Uh, but whatever feels comfortable for you. But consider uh, this episode to have a content warning. All right. Uh, South Faith event, April 15th, 6 p.m. Be there. Come drink beer with us and talk about the Me Too movement. Let's kick it over to Emily and Kira. Enjoy it. This is a podcast where I talk to people about the things they're obsessed with. My name is Marcus Privet, and this is my obsession. We're here with another episode of My Obsession Stout Faith Special, and we have our next Stout Faith speaker, Emily Ritchie Smith, which we just learned is actually two words. A hyphen does not make two words one word. It's always been that way, Marcus. It's, <laughs> I don't think it has. I, I think hyphen plays some sort of role in compound compound word. If there's no hyphen, it's a compound word. If there is a hyphen, it becomes not a compound word. Not a compound word. <laughs> Okay. What's another what's another example of sandwich. Okay. <laughs> if there were a hyphen between sand and which it would it, be incorrect it would it's be, a compound word. It would be two two words. It can't be a last name. I mean, I'm not going to say that you're as someone who's maintains two individual last names sand, comma which with a hyphen. Those are two separate ones. Um I didn't <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did not come prepared with any of this information. <laughs> I do have my phonics ABC stuff. I left that in the car. My mom's okay. a preschool teacher. I can tap in. Okay. <laughs> we might have to phone a friend later on. And we'll go back to oh, it. She's actually teaching right now because she teaches adult ESL as well. So Okay. 
can't, cover can't phone any friends. I, that's, she's entry level. So, <laughs> no. Hyphens probably aren't good. No, no not, not imperative. Okay, well, tonight we're not talking about a hyphen. We're talking about we a can. hashtag. Oh, oh, that was really good. Did you that like was that? a good transition. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> so, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Emily. Buckle in. I'm floored. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. So, we have Style Faith coming up on April 15th. That's yes. closer than you would think it would be. That's We're in April now. Terrifying. It's true. And you are our featured speaker on the hashtag MeToo movement. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just talk about that name for a second. Is Would you say that the name has... <clears throat> is it is it creating something that wasn't there before, or is it recognizing something that's already been present, and it's just kind of like branding it and pushing it forward? It is absolutely recognizing something that's been here since the age of time. Um, and the creator, Tara, Tarana Burke, who created it in 2006... Um, originally, the hashtag? Yes. Well, so it wasn't a hashtag at that point because hashtags like didn't really exist. Twitter mm. wasn't really a thing. She actually the created... The Dark Ages. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Shout out to 2006 me. <laughs> I don't really know what I was doing. Oh, I was running around volcanoes because I didn't live in the U.S. Um, but she created a MySpace page um, for her. She was working with um, um, inner city youth in, shoot, Memphis, I believe. And it was created to recognize something that was here and created to, quote, create empathetic activism Mm. those her words yeah i actually saw it too i quoted she had a quote that said give people a sense of magnitude to the problem that's why was why she created it in the first place kira you want to go ahead and introduce yourself oh yeah yeah sorry let's do that um hello so i'm kira i'm also part of the stout faith team also a very passionate feminist so i also really care (laughs) about this issue so i think that's that's pertinent to this podcast here you crushed it on the last interview with foster care so you're back Thank you're back you. on yes the mic. i'm back i'm back on the mic happy to be here happy to support <laughs> yeah. the conversation i think it's super important so thank you so would you i would you associate the me too movement specifically with social media i mean you mentioned myspace um so social media is absolutely a vessel <clears throat> in which it's conveyed quickly and to a large amount of people um but there's me too, hashtag me too, still comes out to play. You know, if I'm with, well, I typically don't do it um, with our women. Um, I work at a safe home for sex trafficking survivors just because of boundaries. But if I'm with a friend and she says this happened, blah, 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 I can say me too. And that encompasses the movement and the entire intended um, result, which is, again, that mm. empathetic um, activism and to create that solidarity and say, hey, it's happened to me as well. And that simple one, two, three, five, five letters, me too. Hashtag is a bonus. Um, six. Mm. But so it's not exclusive to social media. Okay. Before we even jump even further into the Me Too, could you talk a little bit about your job and what you do? Because I think that's super important to why we asked you to be here for yeah. this discussion, for at least for me. Like, why we feel like you are a voice me that's too. needed for <laughs> needed for this. Hashtag SOS. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I work at Amira, um, Amira Inc. There's going to be some huge news regarding the name coming Saturday that I'm not privy to tell. Um, but so we'll Ooh, leave it at intrigue. that. Yeah, I know. Super yeah. intrigue. Yeah. We're, we're breaking news on yeah. that. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah heard it here, folk. Heard, heard it here first. Um, one, Emily can't talk. Two, something's going to happen. Can't say what. Very vague. Um, come to Voices of Hope on Saturday at the um, first Autobahn drive. Oh, it's a Sheraton, I think. It's a hotel. Um, anyways, I'll be there. I'm going to look really good. I already have my dress. It's dry clean only, so I just washed it on low <laughs> and delicate. Um, nice. <laughs> line drying. Anyway, so back to the topic. So I work at Amira. Um, it is a safe home for sex trafficking survivors on the North Shore. Um, we only take – I'm going to go a little bit more specific on um, the safe homes, and that's going to open up to the broader issue of, shoot, there's a lot of people who are not – we're not able to serve. We don't serve men boys children um so you can't be a minor Mm -hmm. and we only accept legally we're allowed to accept um 18 and older women Mm -hmm. um but we typically don't accept that young um we are unable to provide any kind of residential services or um, anything really beyond referral services to any kind of transgendered um survivors Mm -hmm. um and we really don't have the resources for any kind of foreign national survivors who Mm. Um, have any kind of outstanding immigration aspects, especially in the given day and time where immigration is not really a thing anymore. It's kind of a, hey, good luck, 
see you on the other side in 16 years if you haven't been killed by the thing you're trying to seek asylum for. Mm. Um, And so we accept the small demographic of 18 and up women um, from all over the country um, as we are really the only the only safe home um, for survivors on the New England, um, really on the East Coast, north of Pennsylvania. Wow. There's some, there's a few. I knew that. I definitely did not know that. Yeah. So we have. That's um, crazy. We have a big partner, Restore um, NYC in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really, that's really it. There's a s- network of, it's not a safe home, but there's a network of resources for survivors in Connecticut called the Underground. Um mm-hmm. But now we've just gone through all the resources, really, for survivors and north of, yeah, Baltimore. I mean, big question, wow. but why aren't, like, why aren't there more? Because it's horrible, horrible work. Um, it takes – so our we have an individualized program for each of our women. Um, Wait, we, say that again? We have an individualized program for each okay. of our women. Okay. Um, so we have four phases, 30-day program, um, where in which we invite our women, um, a new woman to come in for 30 days. Mm. Um and they kind of, we get them start set up with um, psychiatric services, um, physical, vocational, um, spiritual, mm, social, and emotional services, mm-hmm. um, which is... Well, that's a full wraparound of self-care right there. Yes. That's and it super is, important. takes hours and hours and hours and hours of work <clears throat> to get even just um, like an intake at an intensive outpatient program, which is an IOP, mm. or to get them into the only... I know that. Yeah. Or to get them in to see the that. only psychiatric services on the in north of Boston, which is in Lynn, that takes mass health. Um, and this is in the most the most progressive one of the most progressive states in the union, but mass health doesn't cover a lot. So it means right. that we have to do things in house. We have to um, really go after donors hard to get the cash money to pay for the um, hundreds of dollars a day it takes to send a woman to IOP. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so we have thirty. We have the thirty days. We do all that. I mean, at the end, they're invited to either stay and enter into the full time program if that's something that we see beneficial to both parties. If not, mm-hmm. then they graduate our thirty day program, which is incredible. They are given a certificate of graduation, which creates success. And then we help re- um, give them direct them on their way to. Uh, um, we have luckily we're <laughs> not really sure because it's you know they're not really anything, but you know maybe like a halfway house, half mm-hmm. halfway house or. Um, case management outside of Amira. Mm. Um, luckily, it hasn't happened yet. A woman hasn't made the decision to either walk away after graduation or we haven't had to say, I think there's better options out for you, <clears throat> which is good. Right. All women have entered have decided to stay. Yes. For more than 30 days. Yeah. And so wow. once you enter, you decide to stay for the what, what's usually about two years okay. of intensive every day. Um, the numbers, I do the numbers... I'm the administrative assistant, and I do the numbers for all of our graduation numbers, or all of our graduation ceremonies, um, and excuse me, the stats for um, our last graduate, who due to circumstances out of our control was only in the program for seven months, which was a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um, she did uh, 4,648 hours of um, programming Whoa. in those seven months, and that doesn't include all the you know, anxiety attacks that she had at night, all the nightmares she had, or when she was just sitting and journaling and crafting, you know, working on that. Those were mm-hmm. just structured hours. Um, and the graduate before that who did the full, about two years, um, I did the math, and she would have been able to walk from New York to L.A. 4.86 times if instead of doing all the structured programming, she had walked. Not ran, walked. Which, wow. Yeah, so that's why that's pretty it doesn't incredible. happen a lot because it's – insane the amount of work that has to go into it right um and there's just not a lot of resources not a lot it's we're still we're still there's not a lot of laws that are protecting survivors massachusetts Mm. is you know on the cusp which is great but still all of our all of our survivors have felony records of trafficking or of prostitution um and then also some of them have drug charges and drug trafficking charges which i mean is insane and i hate it and bullshit but so they're Mm. not recognized as trafficking uh, victims at that point for a long time if not ever um and so the laws don't protect survivors it's difficult to have people who are outside of the law protect survivors Hmm. but yeah wow do you enjoy it yes what do you like about it i was actually just talking to a friend before i came here and i was saying if i worked in corporate or 
anything else. And even at this point in my life, I want to go in. My focus is prostitution policy. And so I want to go into public policy in the next maybe like five or ten years um, and work on the removed. You know, let's end the demand. Let's figure out how we can better protect Mm. um, victims and drag into the streets and have them run over by a car and quartered and tarred the johns and the pimps that's a little controversial and like i don't believe in the death penalty but like maybe only for johns and pimps and um another person (laughs) um and then (laughs) but also i'm already on the nsa watch list because i said that to my senator's um aide a couple weeks ago on accident um so i you know that's i'm on some lists yeah so i wouldn't be able to do anything that was less than this because it's hands-on everything is so overwhelming there's police brutality there's insane sexual harassment and assault which we're talking about Mm -hmm. um there's environmental disasters everywhere um people are being arrested for trafficking or for being arrested for prostitution even though they're trafficking victims um and so if i had to just sit at the desk and just look at the news and just be crunching numbers from some rando thing that Mm -hmm. i didn't really care about i would go insane and so this is a very grounding thing and it makes me feel beneficial and i think it's the only way that yeah i'd be able to continue Mm. to not just crawl into a hole filled with like art supplies and just never come out which isn't (laughs) beneficial to anyone possibly even me uh i have a question then so i mean emily you definitely work on the (laughs) for talking if we created like sexism and the issues of like hegemonic male communities um, in a line you work (laughs) if it was a spectrum if it was a spectrum you work on the far end of sex trafficking like yeah. that is that is the whoop like mm-hmm. it literally cannot get more extreme bat. yeah it can't get worse than that yeah so in terms of like not that i again not that i want to put these on spectrums mm-hmm. like we're talking about the me too movement yeah how does how do those two connect for you yeah um where are the where is the connection in our culture and then how does how do those blend how does that lead mm-hmm. to the extreme of sex trafficking and stuff like that as well like how do you see those two connection um so there's a couple different ways so if we're looking at the simple act of saying me too that empathetic um Mm -hmm. activism within the survivor community um so there weren't any really safe moments amir has been open for two years last october so it'll be three years this next october because that's how time works um but (laughs) anyone who was a victim before 2015 had to go on their own um, and most of them didn't make it because, for obvious reasons, that insane amount of trauma um, and sexual violence is a specific kind of trauma that will just destroy you. Um, it's very insidious. Insidious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Horror movie name here. Right. Um, and so that the Survivor Collaborative um, together has created living survivors, which is way better than dead survivors. So being able to say... We have. I have also felt this way. This is something that I can understand, and mm-hmm. this is something that I can empathize with, and have that solidarity together. Um, um, <clears throat> our, we have a survivor mentor leader um, on staff, Cherie Kreider, who's incredible, and she has kind of given me a glimpse into that, like mm-hmm. informal, like Facebook groups. You know, survivors yeah. of um, you know Maine or survivors of New Hampshire. You know, does anyone mm-hmm. have? Can anyone you know house? Um, my sister survivor for a month as, you know, she's trying to detox or, you know, can mm-hmm. anyone, you know, pay my electric bill? I had a, you know, disassociative um, episode at work and lost my job or something like that. So to have that sister, those sister survivors, that kind of community bond over something that's so horrible and has happened to every single one of them is really important. Mm. So there's that. But then also just looking at what has um, sparked the Me Too movement, which yeah. is sexual harassment and assault mm-hmm. in general um which itself is a spectrum and mm-hmm. i mean Absolutely. I, I wouldn't say that you know rape is a 10 and then you know like slapping someone's butt is like a one like they're not point worthy because they're all horrible yeah and again that invasion of privacy and self-rights and objectification yeah and, exactly yeah. um but it all starts and maybe not every you know john slapped their co-worker's ass in um, their cubicle farm, mm-hmm. but they've all they all have similar attributes in which they are able to objectify women and they're mm-hmm. able to um, see and men honestly and objectify men, women, and children, objectify mm-hmm. others um, either as sexual objects and or as something for to exist for their own personal pleasure, which mm-hmm. is we all exist for ourselves and to glorify God. So that's absolutely incorrect and not true in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, and so that can snowball, which in which the at the end of the snowball, they find themselves purchasing sex, um, pimping out women, trafficking, um, or even just condoning the behavior and saying there's nothing wrong with buying sex. Right. Um, side note, prostitution's not a thing. You can fight me on it. Not. I mean, you guys probably because we have a time time thing and it'll take a little bit um i have to stretch and stuff but (laughs) the majority you know there's like there's not really any real like polling because prostitutes quote unquote for everyone who aren't kira and marcus who saw me do the air quotes um they're not you know going and registering regularly to vote or they're not going and answering the phones for public you know hey can you answer a few questions about the state of the democracy currently um but the informal numbers of what the what we've had is at least um 80 percent of quote unquote prostitutes who are out on the street have were victims of sexual assault um by mm. the age of five so that means one two three four five one of those years if not all those years they were victims of sexual abuse 80 percent. yep wow yeah and that's the low end um all of i've worked in safe homes <clears throat> i've worked in two safe homes the biggest one um on the east coast the side of tennessee in um, baltimore and every single one of the women that we had, we had 20, every single one of them fit that bill. Um, and so that's something I've, I can look at it and say that makes sense because I've seen that in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, prostitutes, I'm, is not a real thing. They, no one wakes up and says, I'm going to sell myself repeatedly to people who abuse me and rape me. Um, and bring printouts or like mobile gift sets of porn and say, I want to abuse you like this. Um, it's something that they're forced into either by trauma, um, they don't see any other way, or um, the sexist, hegemonic male environment has forced it so that they, as a single black mom, might not have any other way to provide for their family. Right. Mm-hmm. Could you explain what hegemonic means? Because I realize I also said that before, but we haven't talked about what that yes. actually is. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I've been using kind of as a buzzword for so many years. Let me try and think if I can think <clears throat> of like an actual definition. Um I am thinking of one of Scott, my fiance's friends, who we call the hegemonic monster, um, <laughs> David Chamberlain. And so he's not going to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> also, he's in our wedding. So, like, we've made amends, yeah, yeah. kind of. Um, I just talk louder than him. And so it's the hegemonic system is something in which one thing is kind of in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at it specifically, the hegemonic male, that means men, the world is for men, by men to continue to um, edify, educate, and pleasure men, um, which mm-hmm. means that they are kind of running the show, and anyone who is not right. um, arguably a... One could yeah. argue that it, the, these adjectives are... Some would argue that like the gay hegemonic male um, is a thing. Some would argue that the black hegemonic male is a thing, but I, I'm going to push back and say the straight white male is a hegemonic force that kind of mm. controls everything and forces through the power that they've had through centuries of misogyny and misinterpreted biblical texts mm-hmm. and just how society was set up. Right. Um, I once heard someone say hegemony is, um, if God is man, then man is God. There we go. That's awesome. And not man as the gender neutral man as yeah. the man, like yeah. M-A-N. Right, right. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. But... I also loved all that you said about that as well. I was not <laughs> nearly yeah, concise. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I get that tattooed, but like I wouldn't. But you could. <laughs> but you could. And that's you the could. important you part. definitely could. could. Yeah. <laughs> it's a possibility. Um, so uh, actually what, what I wanted to ask you, what were your thoughts when you first kind of saw this Me Too movement? Like you, yeah. I was, we were reading your, we were just looking at your bio kind of quickly online before you even came to. And read. That's a professional photo. It was retouched. Nice. My it's teeth very, are not that white in real life. It was very nice. Um, That's when but, you know you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Well, you've been, like, I mean, you've been passionate about this for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this is, you have devoted, like, so much time and so this much is my life now. educational um, experience. Like, you've devoted your whole life to all these women's issues. What was your kind of reaction to when this, like, blew up yeah. in the media? Because this has been a thing that the Me Too movement has domineered like it has taken over like yeah. a period of time of like all of instagram it took over like t- it took over twitter it took over the oscars it took over like it just it just blew up like what were your kind of thoughts on that 
as though that was happening. What, when would you say, like, I mean, would you say, like, the la- within the last year, really? I mean, October I know 7th. October 7th. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what's the date there? Um, that was when it first, that's when Alyssa Murano, um, whatever, she's from Charmed, but not the crazy one. Mm. Um, no offense, Rose, but you're a white feminist. Um, but so <laughs> she, it was, that was when she tweeted the hashtag me too, saying um, something like, a friend showed me this. This is how I'm feeling about maybe wine. I know it was Weinstein. I don't know if she was the first one to crack the case on Weinstein. Um, I know there was a, I know there was a really incredibly brave um, male survivor who said something. Mm. Um, and celebrity. Yeah. About was it? I think it was Terry Crews. Okay, it was, Terry Crews was huge. He, I mean, massive yeah, yeah, in yeah. like multiple ways, and he's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I have nothing but respect for. My president, Terry Crews. Um, I'm Googling yeah. him right now because I can't think of what he's Oh, he's incredible. Know. He's in White Chicks. He's in um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which oh, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I him when you his, see him. His pecs pop. Um, and Giant. he has a beautiful family. Um, does, does a great robot. Oh, he's incredible. And, yeah, and he was sexually um, assaulted in public. And he wow. has been – he's being forced currently to undergo a psychiatric um, exam by the yes. his contract if he wants to renew his contract because they're protecting his um, assaulter who we named publicly which is I can't as a black man to as a man as a black man he has absolutely all of my respect um, but there was another guy he was physically smaller and younger um, and he was one of the ones who started it I think he might he was Spacey he was the one who cracked the egg on Spacey on Kevin mm. Spacey okay um, oh, wow. but so yeah so October October 7th or October 22nd I can't remember but it was one of those two that was when, which is crazy because it means it's only been like seven months. Yeah, right, it has not been that long. But it feels like it's been a lifetime. So you've, you've been like, you have been doing this work for a longer time. And then it picks yeah. up October 7th. Yeah, I was How, honestly shocked. What what part of it are you shocked about? Um, and I think I shouldn't because I'm exposed to the ugly right. ugliness of man and the occasional woman um, every damn day that I show up for work, which is ideally Monday through Friday. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Um, but that's fine. Um, it's always worked out <laughs> beforehand with my bosses. That yeah, yeah. Um, but I had I'm not engaged in media or any kind of movie star aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even live in the country for the majority of my life. I guess now right. it's actually the majority. Um, but I was just sh- floored that specifically within the media, the Hollywood, that this had all been happening, mm-hmm. and there was just kind of been like a secret sister, kind of like that. Secret, mm-hmm. so, you know, survivor sisters, right. the solidarity, the secret whispers that, you know, hey, don't work with him. Um, mm. Or, you know, whatever happens, don't even look him in the eye because he's going to try to rape you tonight. Or he's going to, if he doesn't, if you don't sleep with him, he'll spread malicious lies about you and so on and so forth. And occasionally with, um, you know, that happened also with women, you know, don't look her in the eye, don't work, don't work with her um, because she's real grabby, which is just, I mean, she's assaulting. She's an assaulter. Um so I was, yeah, I was shocked and so, so, so proud of all those people who were able to take mm. that step. Um, and I think it helps that it was on social media. Um, and again, mm. it's Me Too, the hashtag Me Too is not only in social media, but it was, yes, conveyed through social media. Correct. And yeah. I think it helped because you're able to be a little bit removed. And so while effectively you are, you know, screaming to however many people are on Twitter or however many people, you know, clicked the, we're tracking the Me Too hashtag, which was probably which was millions. Yeah, you didn't have to physically go and look at all of them, look them in the eye, and say, "Hey, I was raped," or "Hey, whatever." Or you didn't even have to say what happened. You just had to say, "Me too." Mm. Um, huh. Yeah, I was shocked, and then watching it spread. So you know, it started kind of in Hollywood, which one right. would say is like a little privilege. It's a little bit of a privilege um, that they were the first ones to say, or the first ones to be really be listened to as a whole when there had been other people who had been saying that for a long time um mm. again Tarina Burke had been saying this since 2006 but they were movie stars so that was kind of what got the ball rolling yeah. but um honestly it's huge props someone had to do it and right. if you can use your privilege for good that's what the whole point of having privilege is to be able to say listen I'm famous I'm rich I'm beautiful I am conventionally you know quote-unquote worthy society has de- deemed me as good and this happened to me mm-hmm. and right. so now we need to talk about it and think about it um have you found that it's changed your work? Has it affected your Monday through Friday a lot? No. Yes, actually. Not not my not professionally, not like logistically or anything. Mm. Um, we still have record amount or yeah, we still have an insane amount of um, referrals every week. Um, but I think I've gotten a little bit more cynical personally, saying, mm. Okay. It's an interesting wow. word. Yeah, men really are trash and also some women as well. Um, 
I've become a little disheartened. But also at the same time, I'm really just soaking in all that solidarity. Um, mm. And realizing how I personally have been so blessed to, um, and my friends and I play a drinking game, although I don't drink because I'm a lightweight, of how many times I reference Iceland in the conversation. <laughs> <Eliminate> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up in a country where gender equality was a norm and no mm. one ever really thought about it and there was no crime, um, really. And except by the Americans who came and then, you know, killed people over credit card fraud and then stepped in the blood and then it was a hot mess and they didn't even know how to deal with it. Um, so then, so I just kind of thought that was the norm. And so that kind of carried over into the U.S. because, you know, no one really talks about sexual assault or sexual harassment or like, hey, I got raped or hey, even just little things like he slapped mm. my ass as I was running by. Ah, ha, ha, that's a compliment. Um, no one really talks about that. So I just assumed it was the same way, even though I knew it wasn't. And mm. so then it was kind of like, oh, you know, let's really think about that. Think about hmm. this and confront it. Face, you know, mm. I can't hide that it really is happening. And it's, yeah, so it was interesting to watch it move from Hollywood, you know, Me Too, to Me Too, you know, all the way to Me Too South Korea. You had um, one of the big um, K-pop stars is being currently investigated. Yeah, I heard that. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over sexual assault um, or sexual, yeah, sexual um, assault. I think it was rape specifically. Um, Me Too Church has been mm-hmm. really interesting. Like, I always kind of knew that youth pastors specifically um, were someone to male, sorry, young male youth pastors, like in the mid-20s to 30s, were something to look out for. Um, And I was kind of told that by my youth group friends at church, the conservative conservative PCA church that I went to. Mm. But it was interesting to see that that was not isolated and that that happened a lot. Mm. Um, And how many times, with that comes a lot of heavy luggage that, I'm sure we don't have time for it today, but you know how many times that they were, the church told the survivors, both male and female, to, you know, that was your sin, you need to right. deal with it with yeah. God, or like he reconciled, you know, he said he was, he apologized, and you know, maybe even said a sorry to the board, like why can't you move on when, right. now that you have, you In the know, name of forgiveness. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, Christ died for his sins too, well like, his sins raped me, so like, how does that, because yeah, sexual, sexual quote unquote sins are really just sexual violence, which is so different mm. from any other thing. So, it didn't really affect my work, but it affected my nice large heart. That's a little marbly, but it's like a nice, tasteful marble. Would you mm. say that that's where you are right now? Yes. Um, mm. It's helped. Be- it ha- so I have a super cute male fiance. He is <laughs> ten out of ten. I do recommend, um, except he's mine. So you're gonna have to like find someone else. And I don't think they exist. Um, it sounds like so. For all who are interested in Kara's personal life, she is married um, to I am married. someone that... Who also does identify as a feminist, so that was yeah. very important to yes, me. Yes, exactly. I'd like to acknowledge yeah. that. Yes, so I seeing healthy relationships in my life have helped help, um, healthy um, same-sex or gay relationships with male-centric, seeing healthy relationships with, that involve males in my life has kind of helped restore that, mm. but it's just kind of like, ah, shit, there's so much more work that needs to be done because not only do I need to, my specific focus now is working on the aftercare of the end products of mm-hmm. what started in the very beginning as, you know, workplace harassment or even just like workplace, right. you know, sexual like misconduct that now resulted in repetitive rapes of yeah. women of the age of 12. So now not only do I have to heal the women, I have to heal or work and educate the men, which is such a long and tedious and exhausting thing. So I'm really going to be counting on scott and matt and the other feminist men to be kind of holding that emotional label and really going to their friends i mean hopefully the majority of their friends are feminists but if like their friends you know have intrinsic you know a little bit of misogyny or you know just kind of like being taught that you know men have been taught so many different things um regarding women just kind of saying hey that's not cool let's talk about feminist theology or let's talk about why this is inappropriate and let's talk about this small little objectifying comment you made because that uh-huh. might be indicative of a smaller thing yeah wow oh my gosh so many heavy things guys but so so important i i thought of so many questions while you were speaking and now i feel like That's how I feel they too. just like poof out of my brain what? i literally was like okay i'm gonna remember that one i'm gonna remember that one i remember and then they stopped talking and they were like gone gotta go god they just left my brain um well okay, i guess one question i think um so um as this me too movement has come out i think there's a lot of people that have expressed 
a lot of confusion. Like yeah. people will say, and I've had these conversations with people, and they'll say, I just, I don't really, like, I'm a little confused. Mm-hmm. Like, where is the line? Um, what, um, how do we, how do we talk about this? How do we understand, like, um, what, what, like, this conversation of, like, what is appropriate? Yeah. Um, what would you say to that, too? Because I think there a lot of people have grown up Mm-hmm. In a society, in a culture, that um, this was not a thing. Yeah. Like they just accepted that. Like mm-hmm. I've even had some conversations with um, family members of mine, who um, like they were in the working world and um, in the '80s, and like everyone just knew the people to like to stay away from, and they were like, "Oh, they're just so and so is just so and so." Yeah. Um, I feel like what? How do you approach the conversations with people like that? who have this level of kind of confusion of, like, what um, what is appropriate, what isn't appropriate, um, and how do we, like, bring them into the conversation as well? Because I think there's also men who are now, like, uh, I, I think I, I – I don't think I've done it. There's kind of this, like, babbling now yeah. of a lot of white men kind of, like, uh, I, I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I – um, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm babbling now too, but I do think that is a big piece of this conversation. And a lot of people feel like they want to understand, but, um, are still wrestling with like, what is this? And this, I guess this generational piece is what I'm really talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, absolutely. Can I say a comment on that too? Yeah. The, I mean, as a straight white male, um, I have often found too, that like, if I choose to not engage in these conversations, what happens over time is I think seeing this from a distance, seeing this on social media, seeing it in uh, women I love and respect and this unfolding, then I almost, it's happening over there. It's not happening in my world. But if you look over there, that I'm the villain in that world, mm. which then pushes me to a, a, like almost a place of timidity. Mm. And I can, I can sense, and I, I think on weaker days, I confess I do this, that the only way to remain safe is to remain silent because I'm afraid of saying something wrong or doing something wrong or making a misstep that will, I mean, in worst case scenarios, ruin me. Mm. And so, but, I mean, you're sitting here celebrating Scott and you're saying, we need we need you, Scott. He's so cute. He's doing <laughs> crafts right ten. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting mad props. <laughs> He's doing crafts right um, now. <laughs> and so... In an ideal world, I assume that Me Too pushes straight white men to action, absolutely, and to, mm. right, and not mm-hmm. and not to timidity. Yeah. But I, I, my fear is that in making them nameless villains, that is pushing them to the corners and saying, "Stay out, of, stay out of our way." Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's you know? absolutely something that's come up. Um, and so we'll talk. So let's talk about a couple things. Okay. One, um, addressing the straight white men who are primarily the perpetrators. Um, there are absolutely gay men who do this as well. Mm. Um, and some would argue and women, right? Oh no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's gay men who do this, straight men who do this, bisexual men who do this, bisexual women who do this, lesbian women who do this, straight women who do this. Um, side note, there was really fresh. There was a, um, a California legislator, female legislator, who was really vying. She was, you know, vocal about the Me Too movement, vocal about, mm. you know, sexual harassment, sexual assault. Um, it turns out that one of her aides, one of her young male pages and aides had the courage to come up and say, hey, she's been, you know, um, asking me to sleep with her. She's been, you know, grabbing my butt, and it's really inappropriate. And so even, even those who are self-proclaimed feminists are mm. also doing this. Um mm. And she was obviously not a feminist, and she has a lot of issues to deal with. And one of the, which is that she is a serial assaulter and harasser and does need to go to jail or prison of some kind. But not until prison reform, because that's insane. Um, that's neither <laughs> here nor there. But one would argue it. That's part always two. here. That's going to be part, yeah. part two. <laughs> one would argue it's always there. <laughs> um, but so... Next South Face will bring Emily back to talk yeah. about Yeah, Emily's form. back. This is, this is no, no, no. Prison pipeline. <laughs> I've, I've had the conversation, or I've had the microphone for too long. Let's hit it up with a black woman or anyone else who's ever been to prison. I have not. Um, and again, I'm on lists. So, so I, maybe by the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the time we touch back. Um, and so, so anyone can do this. What it looks like if, but the majority of them are 
straight white males. Statistically. Statistically, absolutely. Right. Um, but as as the, like, historical power holders. Colonizers, if you Correct. will. Correct. Yeah, yes. yeah, great word. So what you need to do, you have the responsibility to educate yourself. Are you yourself. speaking to me right now? I'm speaking to you, okay. Marcus. And then you, um, the audience, if you're a straight white male, um, and really everyone, but specifically straight white males, um, you need to educate yourself. You need to be reading. You need to be listening to women. You need to be listening to um, people who say me too, whether that's male, female, and somewhere in between. Um, and you need to be making, like, doing real serious hard work of self-examination. Um, reading Rachel Harrod Evans. You know, anything that says, you know, hey, what is this thing that I've been taught that I need to unlearn, whether or it's however right. small, um, because those small things will... Um, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're halting, um, then like those things, when you're uncomfortable, the things that you've been taught and have yet to unlearn or what used to be comfortable to you will come out. And I've said racist shit in the past because that's what I've been taught. And then I'm like, Correct. this is, mm. you know, I was in an anxious situation. I didn't know how to respond. I said that thing came out and I said, hey, don't say that. That's bad. That's not how you feel now. That's not, res- that's not indicative of your current right. character. And then I was so anxious and overwhelmed that I just said it. And then I was like, oh, that's horrible. And, you know, I had to make amends and yep. um, reparations and apologize for that in, in the future. Um, and I lost trust because yeah, of it. And praise God for that process. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But so educate yourself. Have these honest conversations that we're having now that are rooted in respect and love and tolerance. Um, at book club at church, we're talking about racial reconciliation um, and having the love, boundaries, and trust and guts to say, hey, you said this, I don't think you meant anything by it, but this is what it means Correct. in mm. a culture that might be, that is different than yours and it might have yeah. different kind of meanings and things. Um, so having those honest conversations with people you trust that are educated mm. and hopefully you'll be educated as well. And then also on the turning around and then sharing that education and doing the emotional labor for women and um, men who have already been, um, who are survivors because we're exhausted, turning around and doing it to your fellow man, regardless of the color or gender, because statistically men are those assaulters and harassers mm-hmm. are on the other side of the me too mm-hmm. and it's really sad because i feel like we need to honor the fact that like like no one it's ingrained in people like it's this thing that we've unfortunately white straight men in our communities have birthed into this culture of being given all this privilege and so many people we, they have to learn it because mm-hmm. they don't even recognize it in themselves yeah and so it's not something that we like it's not work that we can really f- – I mean, when we're talking about, like, obviously we're talking about sexual trafficking and, like, we need to fault people for things like that. But I'm saying that, like, a lot of the sexism that is ingrained isn't people's fault. They've been raised in a culture that taught them that. They had male figures that gave them that example. They saw, totally. like, a – they saw their parents' relationship that mm-hmm. was a very gendered – Stereotypicalized air quotes also. They only you ever know. saw male and, pastors. And yeah. Women, and women are being raised in an environment where they're expecting. Yes. Not not expecting, but like assuming that that's the way that things are. Yes, right? and also women. I mean, women are a big part of this too. Like, as if we're talking about all these issues too, like women are have then been raised to expect certain things of man of men and looking for men that are a certain right. quality. So then that's breeding. Like, I mean, there's there's so many layers to it, but. There, I feel like what you were saying too. You have to come from this place, first of like, first of like empathy and understanding, being like, hey, like we didn't all get here on our own. Like, <laughs> we didn't come into this world wanting to be sexist and wanting to like wanting to harass people and doing all this stuff. But we've been bred, unfortunately, and like reinforced so many dangerous um, mentalities. And what does that look like? Um, just to listen to people and what does that look like to do that work in ourselves like you were talking about um like i mean what does it look like to bring humanity to john's like and to Mm -hmm. understand like how they got where they were um is like i mean some of the most insane work that you can do yeah but so so important like we they can oh everyone needs to be humanized in this and everyone everyone can be redeemed yes absolutely do you think the me too movement believes that I, I think it's, you know, I think it does. I think it does believe that. I think that there's so many, I mean, you should answer that though. Um, so I'm going to say theoretically, yes. And maybe as, you know, maybe individuals, the Me Too movement says yes. Um, but it has to be real, real, like there needs to be real turnaround. There needs to be real 
I and owning of their of the perpetrators actions and words and thoughts and deeds and saying hey I really apologize this is what's happening this is why this is happening um this is a very detailed list of how I was wrong Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay for every victim's you know intensive therapies I'm going to donate you know a million dollars to the time's up movement I'm Mm -hmm. and the legal fees I'm going to um not just like running to you know sex addict rehab in Palm Springs um I'm going to do real work and I'm going to actually do something. And I'm going to step aside from the position of power that I have because I realize that that is something mm. that I cannot have and really shouldn't have ever. Um, but I need to work on myself. So if something like that was to happen, yes. Um, I don't think of, well, if we're looking specifically at the Me Too movement in Hollywood, I haven't seen that happen yet. Mm. Um, and the unfortunate thing is with that, the reason that they got caught like the reason that they are exposed they're on that side of the me too movement my phone it's did not on silent oh. <laughs> keep going so the reason that you know they were kind of exposed by the me too movement so it's not that they willingly said hey i've done this right i realize this is wrong by a beautiful you know friend who said hey you didn't realize this but every time you slap someone's butt it's objectifying or every mm-hmm. time you know looking at aziz azari every time you someone doesn't explicitly say no but they're crying and they're trying to go home you know and you still have sex with them because you're coming from a position of power and they want to be connected to you then that's a misuse of your power then that's bad um so they were exposed because the majority the masses said you suck you do this so and with that does not come real change so maybe if someone preempts it and says hey i did this this is horrible and i'm so sorry um but, like, before someone has a legal case against them. Correct. Right, right, right. Because Have you that's... heard of any stories um, there was, like that? There was someone, I can't remember Sorry, who, um, and because, honestly, there's been so, so many. Um, I don't, um, but someone someone came and said, hey, um, I did this. They did a nice letter on Twitter. I did this. Um, I'm stepping down. I'm paying reparations. It may have been Mark Wahlberg, maybe. I don't know. Um, it was a white actor which they all kind of look the same. Um, but it was theorized. It was in the middle of the Me Too movement, and mm. so I think he got spooked, and someone had said, you know, listen, like, you know, I already signed a, you know, a silence agreement or whatever. So he had already kind of, he while he right. said, you know, preemptive, he was preempting the strikes of the Me Too. Um, so mm. I haven't heard of anyone who's been actually redeemed and has said this has actually happened. Mm-hmm. There's a, there was, I can't give you names, and specifics but i'm pretty invo- i'm pretty involved in the video game industry which is very male dominated gamergate oh yeah i mean gamergate some people point to gamergate as like the beginning oh absolutely of all of this which is absolutely really but there was one i don't know um, what that is what's gamergate gamergate was what well, kind of t- it kind of took on like a larger movement but it kind of it started on this one example where there was this fighting game tournament being streamed mm-hmm. online okay and there was one woman in the tournament and she was playing and there's thousands and thousands of people on stream watching Mm -hmm. and basically the guy running the tournament would get people on this people on the stream would request the guy to do things to the girl like while on camera while she's playing but she's she's the only girl in the room there's 15 other guys in the room like it's a it's the gaming culture is also very just like has been Mm -hmm. very disrespectful to women in Mm -hmm. general like they have to be one of the guys so to speak mm-hmm. um but also be willing to pleasure the guy sexually or in, in any kind of like correct. ways that they deem fit correct yeah yeah, yeah. but then that just like the least mm-hmm. that moment happened and the outrage happened okay. but there there wasn't so going back to what i'm thinking of there was an example of a a corporate leader of some game developing team that came out and confessed and awesome. forgiveness happened on a, t- a twitter thread okay which was pretty interesting, and then like they ended up take, talking one on one, like privately. That's awesome. And so, like, I don't think details were shared publicly, yeah. but um, mm-hmm. she came out and said that I have forgiven him, and we were talking through it. But like, that's huge. But like, it was huge. I remember reading it and feeling very warmed. Yeah. But then like, there's that cynic voice that comes, and like, what agreements have been made professionally mm-hmm. yeah. behind the scenes? But like, yeah. What are you supposed to do there? I like celebrate the wins that you see. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. 
So, I mean, this, this just goes, I think, like, I think the Me Too movement is at, it's kind of like at this tension point right now mm. because I, I, I want, as one who celebrates reconciliation and healing relationships, like, I want the Me Too movement to have an open arm towards education and towards, like, like we, if you come and you confess, like, we're going to celebrate you and we're going to help you work it out as best as possible. And I feel like that's not the example that has been shown thus far, right? Mm, it's like yeah. they're vultures right now ready to pounce on you. Well, I'm going to push back and say, okay. so they're current, they're, the majority of them are victims of sexual trauma, um, which means that they have Correct. been belittled mm. and objectified and taken of their worth. Like people have overpowered them and said, you are nothing. You're only a sexual object to pleasure me. Um, and so the flip side of that is that anger, that frustration that no one's listened to them for such a long time. And then for someone to come in and just say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I did this wrong. Will you forgive me without, with, and they are still able to escape. They were never, not all of them. Some of them, you know, hurt kids, hurt kids. And that's especially true mm. with sexual mm-hmm. trauma, sexual trauma, te- right. traumas sexually. Um, yeah. But they're not facing that. They don't have, you know, anxiety, depression, um, dissociative um, identity disorders. They don't have, you know, suicide attempts. They don't have all of that pain and that hurt behind. So it's frustrating for them to come in and say, hey, now you need to work to educate me and we're going to have to have this conversation because I want to feel like I am healed and I want to feel good even though I hurt you, you know, yesterday, days ago, years ago. Mm. Um, and now you're expected to, once again, come meet me where I am. It's like playing the victim there. Um, it's like victimizing in a way. I right? wouldn't say that they're playing the victim. They're just kind of using, they're just maybe not necessarily looking, they might They might be in unintentionally all good intents, um, but having that privilege again of, okay, you know, mm-hmm. you need to come teach me. When they should really be saying, I'm so sorry, I'm going to go learn, teach myself, talk to other people, um, and in the meanwhile, donate, you know, millions mm-hmm. of dollars or however much I can, you know, to help you. And right. then we can join for that reconciliation when I am a completely different person. I think what's hard about this, too, that's is good. like... That's good. That was, a, that was a really good description, too. I mean, I think of... Um, my understanding of like I guess I should also say I'm a social worker and so like my understanding of shout out to social workers um (laughs) and Lily Drescher and my yes and Lily Drescher who is a social worker and recommended Emily Richie Smith for this and she just got into a master's program we're also proud of her yeah (laughs) I am so proud of her um so uh I think I guess what's the reconciliation piece of this um it's a much longer process because this is a this is deep-seated trauma that people have experienced, which trauma rewires our, rewires our brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you to be able to reconcile with an abuser or reconcile with this, um, lar- I mean, for the me two women to reconcile with other with other abusers is gonna take like it's gonna take a really long time for people to be able, and maybe never. It won't happen people, in the retweets. No, no, it's not gonna happen in the retweets. And like a story. Maybe in, like, five years, we'll see a story of someone who's been able to go through it and process mm-hmm. and has reconciled with someone who did that to them. Yeah. But, um, but oh, gosh, trauma work is, like, it is such a long journey mm-hmm. because it is so deep-seated in identity and in mind-body connection is just um, so ingrained that it just – it is a journey and it is a process. So I think you're, I think the reconciliation looks a little bit different and it's just a longer road. It's still there. Like we all obviously want the reconciliation. We need it to be there, but um, the road just looks a little different than it would in other kinds of, I mean, I guess the reconciliation journey is never a straight path ever. <laughs> and it is always a journey. Um, but especially when we're talking about trauma, um, especially, you know, rape and people have and sexual people, violence, sexual violence. It's um, Yeah. It's not going to be this. It, like you're saying, it's not going to happen in a retweet. The connection's not going to just be brought back together so quickly like that. Um, what was the phrase you used earlier for the Me Too movement? Empathetic. Oh, um, Tarana Burke's statement is empathetic activism. Empathetic mm. activism. I think what's important, too, I was going to say, um, Gloria Steinem, who I love, once said, um, truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the Me Too movement is in the pissed off phase, yeah, which is that. fair yeah. right now. They were silent. They were forced to be silent for so long, mm-hmm. sometimes decades, 
sometimes just even just a minute, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if, if the goal is empathetic activism, then right now it's it's like the empathy. that That's the goal, and we're going to accomplish that, mm-hmm. and we're going to give space mm-hmm. for that. The Personifying goal... and humanizing and saying, look at me, I, this Correct. happened to me, your sister, your cousin, your, your Biffle, your roommate. And this is happening around you. Mm-hmm. But if reconciliation comes, sweet, but that's not necessarily the goal of empathetic activism, at least where it is now. Yeah, it is victim-focused, and well, and I arguably say survivor-focused. It's to mm. kind of help those who need it the most, kind of triage working, honestly, right. and that's to help the survivors kind of honestly stay alive and not kill themselves or succumb to substance use or right. things. Mm. Um, so that's what, yeah, the Me Too movement, I think, yes. So maybe there needs to be a... I know, I know there has been, but there needs to be maybe another movement as visible that says, I can't think of it now, but that would be targeting the perpetrator and saying, hey, mm-hmm. let's go away, let's talk about this outside of the room full of mm-hmm. survivors who are hurt and raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not on Twitter. <laughs> and, Which there are groups like that, but it's definitely, um, there definitely aren't many of them. Yeah, there are many so of them at all. I've boosted that up. Yeah, I have read articles about that before. All of, all of our millions of listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boost it up, get it trending. Let's say something about you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we got to start wrapping it up here, mm-hmm. which this has flown by. I can't believe this. Uh, talk to us about Stop Faith. What are you thinking? Are you Have you done any thinking on what like you want to talk about? I have done some thinking. So we're going to be talking about specifically practical things mm. what to say to a coworker, what to not say to a coworker. i have some ratios some easy to remember things um we're gonna talk about the seven to one rule which i don't want to throw all my cards out of don't yeah play. don't 52 do pick up wanting more yeah. yeah yeah so what's the seven to one ratio we'll find, <laughs> we'll out. find out next 15th. yeah i think it's a sunday yep. it's when my lease is up oh but i'll be moved by then okay. because <laughs> Otherwise, I lose that safety deposit. I need, I need that money. <laughs> yeah. So much money. Um, so we'll be talking about practical steps, and we'll be talking about, um, yeah, that's what I got so far. Things, okay. how to kind of rewire that aspect and to relearn and reteach mm-hmm. um, the next generation as well as kind of that older generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking at that generational aspect. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be just doing a little of how work pa- workplace harassment can end up to sex trafficking and why it's important to nip it in the bud yes and why we all deserve equality and we're also just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna yell probably not yell because i'd be abrasive but just kind of whisper hey let's, we really need to focus on black and native women and latina first because they are at the very bottom of the totem hole and the things that they say matter way less than what white women are so let's kind of use our voices to boost theirs uh-huh. um you could yell that too yeah. Not into the microphone. Yeah, don't into it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that's what that's what's cooking. I've been thinking about it in the shower um, when I deep condition. Cause these curls don't look this good all the time without deep condition. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you one last question. It just came to mind as you were saying that. What you the mentioned? Deep condition. You... <laughs> I use Diva Curl. I highly recommend. Good to know. <laughs> you mentioned the next generation. What do you want them? to think I, I like how do you want them to process what is what's the ideal goal i mean for the kids growing up now what world do you want them to grow up in and like what do you want them to s- believe about themselves and stop eating fucking tide pods one <laughs> good <laughs> y'all That's are dumb <laughs> yeah. i haven't met a gen z that i i like a um, gen z but that's because they're all my neighbors who I like babysat, and now they're all like holding hands with boys. I'm like, you are 12, but it turns out there's 15. It. Yeah, yeah, Snapchat, which all we know, need, we all know, needs, is a dying industry. And you heard it, yeah. Rihanna can um, tank their stocks right. for their their abusive, and I'm doing it as well. Snapchat, you're canceled on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we'll check. We'll check the we'll check the Nasdaq tomorrow of uh, Snapchat. Emily spoke. Yeah, they listen. Emily too. <laughs> um, but I want them to 
that empathetic activism, that solidarity to really rally behind the minorities, those who have encountered mm. violence of all kinds, yeah. and to lift them up and saying, hey, we can do better, we have to do better, to kind of borrow the Parkland um, kids' words. Um, which is a good example of kind of what I want to see. So the Parkland kids are white, rich Floridians, and we can argue that Florida really shouldn't be a country and should be sawed off into the Atlantic, <laughs> Atlantic which I will... I will agree with you and I will bring you a saw. I have one. It is rusty and that's fine. Um, but they were also, they were lifting these you kids. You so many hot takes on this <laughs> I know. I'm only hot takes. You you open me up. I have my adenoids removed. So I'm no adenoids, all hot takes. Um, tonsils are still there though. A little problematic. Um, and so they have been lifting these privileged um, children, honestly, of gun violence have been lifting up black survivors of gun violence you know mm. the um, black kids at their school chicago kids of the inner yeah. cities so that's what i want the future to look like less guns more solidarity of all cultures of all genders of all sexualities and, and especially of all races and economic um levels and i want them to lift each other up and say we hear you we're going to do better and we're going to try to take some of that emotional labor off of you and we're going to self-educate mm. wow. only 10 percent of them oh my goodness well, right. we can get tons of other statistics and at Style Face. Coming at you fast. <laughs> April 15th. And route. 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. We're going to meet Spacio. at the Espacio mm-hmm. in Salem. Have you been there, Emily? Um, No, but it it's rocks. on my, I'm going to be there soon. You're going to be there soon. That's yeah. right. You'll like it. It's really nice. If you're in the area, please come. And, uh, we'll be there. We're pretty hot. Yeah. Multiple ways. It's going to be hot takes, hot kids, us. Adults. We're adults. <laughs> All right. And that's where we're going to end. Emily, thank you. Thank, thank you for you having so me. Thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for listening to another episode of My Obsession. If you enjoyed this conversation, it'd be a huge help to me and others if you rate and review the show on iTunes. That really does go a long way. Finally, I want to talk about your obsession with you. If you'd like to appear on the show, email us at myobsessionpodcast at gmail.com. My Obsession is produced by me in my bedroom while drinking a cup of coffee. All guests' opinions are their own. Music is written and provided by the artist State Shirt. I am Marcus Privet.